You're listening to the Voice Now podcast. The voice within. The voice. You're listening to the Voice Now podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What up, though? What up, though? It's your boy MC. You know the rest, baby, aka MC Cheetah, and you are now listening to the Voice Note podcast. Welcome to the Voice Note podcast. This is the Voice Note podcast, the voice within, and I am your host, Nigel Njovo, aka Night Vision, aka the Media Mogul, aka I do the most. Yes, man, we're so excited. This is our very first episode in 2019 man 2019 has been amazing so far we hope and trust you're having an amazing year so far and i'm glad to say in our very first episode we've got an amazing soul an amazing person who has done amazing stuff for tv for radio and for podcasting he's also a brand builder he's currently the creative director at pepper Pig africa uh, he's going to be telling us more about what Pepper Pig Africa is right here on the Voice Note Podcast. This guy has traveled the world and he has helped build several brands in Zimbabwe and outside Zimbabwe as well. He's a very strong voice and he's ready to work. I'm talking about Gilmore T. Gilmore Moyo T. Uh, yes, man. Gilmore Moyo T. This guy is amazing. He's doing amazing stuff in the creative sector in Zimbabwe. So yeah, we got the chance to interview him right here on the Voice Note Podcast. We had an amazing chat, man. I must say, this is one of our very longest episodes right here on the Voice Note Podcast. So yeah, man, get ready, grab your coffee, grab your drink, and let's listen to the Voice Note Podcast and enjoy the interview with Gilmore T. So obviously, my name is Gilmore T. Moyo, uh, but I prefer to be called Gilmore T. That's my sort of like brand that I've created. Um, I would say possibly my my journey in the creative space started when I was still in primary school because yeah. I remember the first time that I got to be exposed to the National Gallery um, was when I was in grade six. So I did a painting in grade six and then they were selecting uh, people that would go from the school, about two students that would go from the school and go represent the school. And then I was one of the students that were selected. My painting was selected and it came, it was displayed at the National Gallery. So basically, that's, I guess that's the journey because it's so weird that I'm constantly at the National Gallery. So it's a place that I started coming to when I was in grade six. Um, and then still in primary school, I was very much involved in painting and doing a lot of music. I literally have been trained uh, vocally to sing, but I just don't sing. <laughs> Which is why I have a lot of voice in terms of when people are singing, I'm like, because um, I, I, I was trained for that, but I chose not to practice that. Um, so that's basically where my staff started when I was in 11 years old, or maybe way before that, but 11 years old. I don't want to lie and say, oh, I started singing when I was two years old. Yeah, I started yeah. painting when I was two years old, but I realized I could paint and sing when I was six. I was in grade six, that was 11 years old. Wow. Um, and it went on to high school. I mean, obviously being involved in a lot of uh, arts projects. I was the best art student anyway in high school. Nice. I got an A in art. Wow. <laughs> um, I got an A in English because I was the most outspoken English student also amongst the white people that thought they were the best. <laughs> so um, from there onwards, I think I've always been very fast in getting hold of opportunities and realizing this is what I want and I'm going to grab it. 
what's your professional background in terms of the creative sector and all that? Because I see like on your Twitter page, uh, you, you write like you're also a content creator. Yes, so, yes. And you also do some other stuff. So yeah. Can you, can, can you tell us your professional background? Um, uh, professional, I would actually say professional, not linked to the creative space. So I went to school to do development studies. Uh, before I actually went to do development studies, I did my uh, higher diploma in French. So, um, je parle français, j'étudie français aussi. Uh, I speak French and I, I also learned French. Um, and then after doing my French for two years, I went on to do my development studies at the National University of Science and Technology yeah. at NAST. Um, worked in the NGO for quite some time, about five years in the NGO space, working with Alliance Francaise, went to Senegal to work with Action Aid International. But then I think it was when I was in Senegal that I realized that I do not want to work for the NGO space as like directly, maybe as a consultant, but not directly involved. Because um, for NGOs to exist, the poor need to remain poor. Yes. So um, the sustainability that you learn in school is actually just a dream, or it's just something that they're selling to us, dreams that are being sold to people. Um, so when I was in Senegal, actually, um, I was trying to, because I was doing mountain evaluation for Action Aid International, and then I was trying to get some funding to do a project uh, in one of the cities in Senegal. And then my boss was, kept refusing to give me that funding, but she would give me funding for things like World AIDS Day, Women's Day. And then I was getting frustrated because my question was, why do we keep funding these commemorations, but we're not funding the real things of helping to eliminate the HIV AIDS that we're commemorating? And then she said to me, Kimo, you realize that um, the NGO, in the NGO space, the poor need to remain poor for you to have a job. And then that was like a turning point for me. Came back to Zim 2014 and I never wanted to work for an NGO. But then I wanted to use my development studies uh, to create some sustainability and to develop the creative space. Um, so um, my background still worked either way because in whatever project that I work with or I work on in the creative space, might it be in fashion or in film, uh, or in podcasting or in whatever that allows me to voice out um, I always ask myself and then what which is the continuity of things because you may do a fashion show and then what so how are these people going to sustain themselves so I feel like that background in development studies has helped me to think that way to say um, I don't want to be famous but I want to make money I want to be able to buy myself a house I want to be able to sustain myself I want to be able to have wealth not to have riches that will blow up tomorrow, but I want wealth, I want a legacy of some sort to be created. So it's something that I got from my development studies. Wow, Yeah. that's huge. Bro. Yeah, sounds uh, deep. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, uh, you've also like traveled a lot. Like, I have, I have, world, yeah. Can you, can you tell us like uh, which, which part of the world has actually changed uh, the way you think mm. uh, and the way you do things? Like, if I can say maybe which which country has impacted you more <laughs> in terms of you as Kiyomo, as a person? I, w I would always say to people, one of my fondest memories is always Senegal. I was in Senegal for a year and a half. Yeah. And when I was in Senegal, why I would say Senegal? Because everyone would think, oh, he's going to say the United States. No, it's not. Yeah. You say the UK or it's German or Belgium. But Senegal for me was a huge uh, transformer. First of all, I learned that we as African people, we tend to look east and west elsewhere, but we never look at each other for value addition. We never look at each other for solutions. Yeah. And I learned that when I was in Senegal. Because in Senegal, you know, when I left home, my family was like, why are you going to Senegal, a Muslim country where there's war, where there's rebels or things like that? 
when I got there, obviously traveling, I was like, ah, oh, this is what I'm gonna expect. But when I got there, I've never seen such Ubuntu. My best Ubuntu, right? Yeah. You better go to Senegal. That's like the real. They leave that. When you're passing by the road, there's no way you're gonna pass someone's house without being invited to come and eat. There's no way you're gonna just when I when I meet you like this when we've met once or twice automatically yeah. become my brother. In Senegal, we struggle to know who's the cousin, who's the next door neighbor, who's just another person because they all have this unity that they live by. And then you get to see what is portrayed on Western media of Muslims. You're like, but what is this that they portray? Because I never saw that when I was in Senegal. Yeah. And I never saw Muslims as people that kill, 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 kill. I'm sure everyone, everywhere else we kill people. Even in South Africa, people are killed. Yes. Even in Zimbabwe, people are shot. Yeah. So in Senegal, I saw the part that of Muslims that you, no one else gets to see. And that changed me a lot in terms of my appreciation of people, in terms of realizing that every time I meet someone, there is a value addition that they have that I can get from, but the only thing that I need to do is to have conversation with them. Yeah. So let me not make an assumption with Unaicho Unjeso, but let me say, hey, what's up, bro? How are you doing? And it's only when I open my mouth and have conversation with you that I'll learn more from you and you'll learn something from me and we, get, we become value addition people. Yeah. So Senegal had that for me. And it's like, it had a huge impact for me. A year and a half in Senegal, uh, there's times I wanted to come back home because about, they don't do things the way we do stuff. It's not as English as we are. We are very white people in Southern Africa. Yeah. Like when you, when they say white people, Southern Africa is white people. The way we do things, our mannerisms, the way we even structure our systems, our education, our our what you call, um, accommodation, the way our city is structured. Yeah. It's way white. In Senegal, you'll be walking one place, you see a cow here, and then the next thing, someone else has a fancy house next door. Everything's so jumbled up. It's like, it's, so, it's clustered. It's raw. Yeah. But then it, in all that cluster, there's like so much core that I feel Southern Africa or Zimbabweans, we do not have at all. So that's what, that's what changed me the biggest. What I love the most is that I'm able to use my voice in whatever way. It can be through speaking on TV, it can be through creating content for TV, or creating content where you bring people together and they gather and they get to hear someone else speak. I, I like the fact that I'm able to, my voice is heard in, the, in everything that I do. It can be fashion, it can be through an event, it can be through radio, or TV, or whatever. You still be able to hear my voice. I'm able to communicate what I feel I need to communicate to people without me speaking sometimes. Uh, I also love the fact that I become a bridge for so many things. I, for example, the Unheard series. There is a celebrity that people see from afar. There's Nigel, the huge filmmaker, and then there's the people that follow Nigel's work. I become the bridge to that. So I love the fact that I, I connect people, I create the bridges, and my voice is heard through whatever that I do. Yeah. Okay, so before I think everyone knew that we used to, I used to have a company called Huna Management Agency, which I felt to connect with after some time when I traveled somewhere else. When I came back, I was like, ah, I'm struggling to connect. Um, but then Perbeg Africa was born. Yeah. So Perbeg Africa, we do PR, we do content creation, we do management. So you can come as Nigel and you say, I have this thing that I want to push the world, and then we manage that for you. We will push it for you. Uh, or you say, uh, I've got a project that I've released. I want it to reach massive numbers of people. Then we'll do PR for you. Or sometimes you just have an idea, and then we create, we bring life to the idea. So we create content, we do PR, we do management. And why it's called Paperback Africa is because every when you get into a shop in general, 
you get into a shop with a, with a bag of some sort yes. and then whatever that you throw in that bag or whatever you yeah. throw in that basket or in that plastic bag or in that paper bag is really of your choice but in our paper bag we decided to have African content in it so hence it's called Paper Bag Africa our paper bag is full of African projects African uh, personalities African initiatives hence Paper Bag Africa oh nice yeah. uh, tell us about your best uh, childhood memory my best childhood memory um, I don't think of one in particular, but I think uh, my best childhood memory, they all derive from, because I was raised by my grandmother, uh, my mother's mother, uh, they derive from my grandmother. Um, I think it was just, I remember when I was younger, we used to do a lot of singing in church, like obviously, and for me, that's like uh, my fondest memory as a child, because I, I'm just thinking to myself, like, I literally would stand in front of the church and you are singing and you are a kid and you have so much confidence in whatever that you are saying in front of the church or in front of people. So um, that I think for me is the most outstanding that thing that I remember when I was a kid because my grandmother instilled a lot of confidence in me. Uh, she was strict obviously but she instilled a lot of confidence in me that up to now I see that coming to life. I'm able to stand in front of people and I'm able to do a live uh, event on TV because of the same thing that my, my grandmother put in me when I was younger. Like, go stand in front of the church, do your memory verse, do your singing, and I would do that. So that's, that for me I think is maybe a life-changing childhood memory. Yeah. Nice. To read people's minds. I would love to read people's minds because I feel like human beings are full of shit. They're like full of shit as individuals and yeah. they're so complicated more than animals. Yeah. And um, I think if I have the ability to read their minds, it would help me understand them more. Because yeah. um, we're complicated, we're a complicated species, big time. Yeah. So my superpower, I want to read minds. Nice. Uh, what do you dislike about the creative sector in general? Uh, there is a huge thing that I've even tweeted about, unprofessionalism in the creative space. Um, people in the creative space, are, most of them are super talented, but what they don't realize is that talent on its own will not take you anywhere. Um, it's talent and uh, uh, professionalism and showing up on time, delivering things when you're asked to, uh, even dressing up for an activity when you're supposed to. Just try by all means to be professional. Uh, that takes you fine. Also the hunger to learn more, to to understand more, to uh, get more information because you can never have enough information. But then it's only when you're professional and you understand what you're working with that you come to realize other things, other factors. So I hate the fact that the creative industries, there's a lot of unprofessional people and there's a lot of talented unprofessional people. Yeah, so it's, it's, it grinds my gears. Why do you think it's like, it's like that? Why do you think we have unprofessional people in the creative sector? I think it's also our system as a country that uh, the most professional thing is when one is a teacher when they've gone to university to start being a doctor or to be all these white collar jobs. So I feel like our system also has failed us as a, as a, as a, as a people, as a, as a, as a creative space, a industry, like our government, our, our policies, because even up to now you find corporates going to uh, do mediocre advertisement. Tell one for example where Amara is singing and she sounds like a freaking bird that has been strangled and things like that it's it's just the system it's just our government our corporates they fail to actually 
realize that the creative space is a very important uh, industry that can contribute to our GDP. South Africa has done it very well. Durban is like the biggest uh, uh, you know, producer of the creative industry in South Africa because they have realized that the creative industry is actually an industry that can sustain a country. So uh, maybe our government and our system has failed us yeah. ridiculously. Well, tell us about your podcast, Brian. How did you get the Cliff Central deal? Um, I think, first of all, it's something that we had a conversation just before we started recording. Yeah. I feel like you get tired of waiting for uh, establishments to sort of like recognize your work or to recognize that you actually have a voice that matters. So unfortunately, they are so stupid in the sense that all the radios, the TVs and the newspapers are so stupid in the sense that they forget that we have the internet at our, in our hands. You are able to even write your own blog instead of going to work for a major newspaper. You can have your own following and create your own content through blogging. Uh, instead of going to a TV station, you can even put your stuff on YouTube and or on Facebook, and people will still watch and you get traction. It's the same as uh, as podcasting. So. I realized that I wanted my voice to be heard. I have a strong voice in fashion and my, my voice in fashion has been, I have like a footing in fashion big time. Um, and then I, by that time I was, I was I had already gone into the film space with Tata Wena. And then I still wanted a, a platform that would give me my voice in terms of not the face and the audiovisual, just the voice and it's on to be heard. And then I thought, oh, let me start a podcast. So I started without actually being with anyone. It was just, I'm, I'm doing it by myself. I'll put it on SoundCloud. And after six months, um, then I made a bold move. I approached Cliff Central. Um, had a meeting with Gareth and uh, his co-founder, Rina. And uh, I said to them, I want to be on Cliff Central. And they, well, I'd been there before uh, for interviews. And then they asked me, why do you want to be on Cliff Central? And then I said to them, the first time I came here, I felt like I belonged here. I like the fact that your stuff is uncensored. You say what you think. It's not, um, you don't understand politically correct. Uh, hence you voice out the way you want to voice out i want to be on this platform because it creates that and secondly there's a lot of zimbabweans within south africa but where do they tune into when they want to hear what's happening back home i want to be that voice in cliff central so my approach was they realize the value that i'm bringing i realize the value that they'll bring to me it was a collaborative thing and boom six months later after launching the podcast i was on cliff central and i was pushing it i've been there for like a year and a half so uh, I don't know how many episodes, so I have to count like every week yeah, uh, how yeah. many stuff, uh, how much stuff I do. Yeah. But one of the, my biggest, uh, well, one of the things that I got attention for was the Mukumba interview that I had with them, Mboma Hawks interview. Of course, it's Mboma Hawks. Uh, <laughs> um, and also when Zimbabwe was going through the whole November se uh, 2017, I had a lot of attention around that. So I realized, you know what? It's an opportunity and we cannot wait for our other radio stations to eventually recognize us but we can just be heard without them internet is there for us yeah what do i do in my spare time i, I love doing a lot of camping and also visit uh, visiting like i love my space first of all uh, so that's why you you won't find many events unless if i'm working uh, if i know i'm working because i also hate just going to activities and there's no any value that I'm adding or that is being added to me. I'm not about support. I'm about actually consuming some because I want to. So I will say I'm a big fan of Nobuntu. I'll go and attend Nobuntu. I'm a big fan of Tarone Guitar. I'll attend Tarone Guitar. Yeah. I'm a big fan of movies. I'll go and watch a movie. Yeah. Um, so in many cases, I like, I read a lot. I'm reading Born a Crime by Trevor Noah at the moment. Um, I've read Issa Rae. I read a lot of stuff. I do a lot of 
uh, outdoor activities but maybe hiking or just walking around um, I hate noise so you never see me a lot in the club maybe after an hour I want to go home um, I can't cook because I always burn my food what do I, yeah so mostly it's reading and doing outdoor activities that give me space like personal space uh, with possibly my friends or whoever that I feel like I Whoever I love, I need to spend time with them, but not in a boom boom power space. My dream project, I want to have the biggest fashion platform in, 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 in the continent. Uh, starting in Zimbabwe, obviously, because charity begins at home. So it's something that I'm working on. Possibly it's going to come out in November. But my fashion platform, why it has taken so many years. Because but you are so good at putting things together. Uh, why don't you take over this? Why don't you do this? It has taken me years because, again, as a development studies former student, in my mind, I'm thinking, Guti, if I start a fashion platform, and then what? So I'm, I'm sure you've realized in the past years I've been attending a lot of South Africa Fashion Week, Devon Fashion Fame, Mozambique, being involved in some of the fashion projects. I was being, I was deliberately doing that because I wanted to create a situation whereby you come and showcase to a platform that possibly I have created, but then there's continuity for you. There's some sort of growth. So that's the one thing that I've been wanting to start since the day I started doing fashion shows. I want to create a fashion platform that merges uh, audiovisual and uh, music and fashion. Um, so that's one thing that I want to do. The second thing that I would love to work, I would love to work with Ryan Seacrest. It sounds too big out there, yeah. but I would love to work with Ryan Seacrest because I, I like his hustle in the sense that he's so humble about it, but he's, he's, he's creating major things. He's the guy who's the American Idol's host. He's uh, he's got his own show on air with Ryan. He's the producer of the Kardashians. If he was not there, the Kardashians were not going to be there. But you see now that his name, his legacy, and his success is not being told by him, but it's it's told by people that he has influenced. I want to be that guy. I want a situation where when you say Arakani, there is no way an Arakani story is told without the mention. That's what I want my success to be. Uh, where it's told through other people, not by me voicing out. Almost what I said, success is when uh, your work is, is told by other people other than yourself. Uh, is when your light is not only shining on you, but your light has influenced other people and uh, it's shining through Mboma Hawks, it's shining through Arakani, it's shining through Nigel, it's shining through the other Gilmore, it's shining through other people. Where That's my success for me. Your light should not only shine on you, but it should sustain other people too. Um, and obviously bring money. <laughs> so that's the thing. Something I love. I love drinking water. I feel it's like uh, it's the most important thing that God gave to us. It gives you glow. It, uh, it keeps you away from people's businesses. You drink your warm water and you're always busy going to the toilet instead of being busy in people's businesses. So I love drinking water for that. Um, yeah, I've said why, so that's it. <laughs> nice. Uh, someone told me that you you should stay true to yourself and you should never allow anyone to dim your light. And in that, I see it every single day because after that, I've realized that every time I do something, I want to be able to have some uniqueness to it. And it will always have a certain touch of, 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 of me, but at the same time, I want um, the light to still shine in it. Nice. Yeah. Um, I've, I met Mbo in 2012, no actually 2000, Lord, it's been far, 2000, not even 2012, we started working in 2012, yeah. I met Mbo in, I think it was soon after high school, 2009, 
so it's been a decade. Uh, that's when I met Mbo, and the funny thing is like, I'm a big fan of Lira, the, the artist, and then I, I, we were talking about music and I said Lira, she's like, oh my god, I'm looking for the album, and then we exchanged uh, contacts, and then uh, I think WhatsApp was, was it there by then? It wasn't there. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't there, I don't know how we exchanged, but I gave her on a flash drive or something. And um, I think my relationship with Mbo, what people, most people don't understand, because a few of these blah, socialites have tried to destroy my relationship with her. They don't understand my relationship with him is, is a very spiritual relationship in the sense that um, we wish other we wish each other well all the time we pray for each other we um, we're each other's cheerleaders all the time when she's done something like she's nominated for whatever I'm the first person to say it uh, when I'm doing something she's the first person to say that um, and. Obviously, in many people's eyes, we have slept with each other, possibly with kids, we're still dating or whatever, you know, which is okay. I mean, you think whatever you want to think, but um, our relationship is based on more spirituality. It's more, it's beyond just we meet up and we take Insta stories, but it's we, we, we are there for each other all the time. And she's one person I feel, I wish, like I'm so excited for her and everything that she does, I know about it before anyone else knows. Everything I do, she knows about it before anyone else knows. And I, um, yeah, man, I have like so many nice things to say about her, but she's a special person to me. Very special, very, very special. Ah, uh, what advice? Make sure that you uh, reach out to people that you wanna work with. It sounds stupid sometimes, but if I wanna work with Nigel, there's nothing wrong with me reaching out to Nigel. What I've done, it's almost, okay, uh, before I even finish this, I'll say it's every time I bump into people and I see someone looking good, whether a woman, whether a guy, I always say, hey, you're looking so good. Oh, yeah, I like your shoes, I like this, I like whatever. And it's how the people take them. Because in Zim, I realize when you compliment people, they have an attitude. They will, they'll be like, ah, yeah, I'm full now, things like that. But then what I've done for myself, I set myself free by telling you that you're looking so good or you did well. Yeah. It's then up to you how you're going to receive it and how you're going to respond. But then I've set myself free by telling you what I think. So um, it's the same thing with uh, any other person. If you feel that you want to work with Nigel, go to Nigel, talk to him, tell him how much you want to work with him. If Nigel doesn't respond the way you expect him, it's okay. You can move on and find another person. But then what you've done, you've set yourself free by releasing whatever that you've been keeping. And then it's how Nigel is going to respond to you. So don't be afraid to approach people. Talk to them. Um, uh, create relationships because they will always sustain you throughout um, so and be don't burn bridges burn the bridges that you feel are not gonna well, you're not gonna come back to like a bad bad relationship but don't burn bridges don't be afraid to approach people don't be afraid to introduce yourself because it's just a high that will open other doors okay so um we have an head series i mean I already explained like it's it's aimed at bridging a gap between people of uh, of not that we see from different walks of life, people that are in the creative space, sports, politics, whatever. Um, An ad city is there to create the bridge between the people that follow them and these individuals. So um, we started off with Mark Onlovu, the banger. The next person we have is Tendai Luo. He's a storyteller, digital strategist. He's a creative director who has done incredible work with Mzansi Magic, uh, Mnet Africa, BET Africa. Um, the Voice Nigeria, Idol South Africa, he has worked on those projects and is coming in March, uh, beginning of March. And then uh, we jump the next uh, month, we've got July with Tino Chinyani, uh, and then we've got September with um, Boma Hawks. 
plus uh, someone else from CNN who's a Blanco, uh, but I'm still yet to confirm her. And then possibly the last one I'm hoping to bring Kirsty Coventry to Bulawayo to have a conversation with young people in Bulawayo in November. That should be the last thing. And then the next one, uh, November, you should expect like a huge fashion uh, activity that in obviously involves fashion, music, and uh, film. So uh, film in fashion, because film plays a huge role in fashion. Music plays a huge role in fashion. And then um, we've got something else that's coming up that has to do with music. Uh, at Pepperbeck Africa, but I'm not heading that. Someone else is heading that. Um, but it's, um, I can't say the name now, but it's on social media oh, nice. if you check our hashtags. Um, and then, um, what else do you want to do? We're going to do a lot of TV content stuff. So, all the events that we do, we film that and then we hope to sell them to a network and uh, obviously keep uh, being relevant. And um, yeah, I look forward to just doing a lot of stuff in film and fashion. Nice. So, I would want to work with you one day. Yeah, man, that was Gilmore T right here on the Voice Note podcast telling us more about his creative journey, how it all started, and uh, what his future plans are. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Voice Note podcast, The Voice Within. Be sure to catch us on social media. Follow the Voice Note podcast on Twitter at the Voice Note Pod. You can also find us on Facebook at the Voice Note podcast. You can also find us on anchor.com at the voice now podcast thank you for tuning in be sure to catch us next time as we interview another african mover and shaker